Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 6. This is Lesson 8, and, uh, which, which means that um, the next, next lesson is the last one for this term, actually. So, we're the second last lesson. I know, already, we're up to that. Incredible, isn't it? Um, we are going to continue on with the law of loving your neighbor. This is on page 34. And um, let me just read my notes as we get into this. Continuing on in Matthew chapter 5, having dealt with murder, reconciliation, adultery, divorce, oaths, and retaliation, Jesus now turns his attention to the subject of loving your neighbor. And says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So again, Jesus begins by quoting what was being taught at the time, with William Hendrickson explaining that love your neighbor and hate your enemy must have been the popular way, in which the average Israelite during the days of Christ's ministry summarized uh, the second table of the law and regulated his life uh, with respect to friend and foe. He must have learned it from the scribes and Pharisees. Now, there's a lot, there's a mouthful. But uh, just, just understand that that's the way the Israelites normally thought. You know, in fact, especially with, <laughs> with the reign of David, you know what I mean? I mean, if there was an enemy, we just conquered them and that was the end of it. You know, and now they have to listen to us, which is why they always wanted that back. But, but Hendrickson also points out that not all the scribes thought this way, because it is also reported in Mark chapter 12, verses uh, 28 through 33, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceived that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him in verse 29, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, and the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God. Interesting. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, this is the first commandment. And the second is like, like it, is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. I think that is really significant where he says, this, there is nothing greater than these commandments. Amen? And so it says, so the scribe said to him, well said teacher. Now that's interesting that he actually said that. <laughs> that he, <laughs> he wasn't fighting him. He says, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God and there is no other but He. And to love Him and uh, with all your heart, with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices, or literally is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. So this is really interesting, that they understood that all the works that you do, you know, with the sacrifice and everything else, doesn't mean anything if your heart isn't right. Amen? Uh, So I've said here, as encouraging as this is, it also lets us know that the scribes and of course the Pharisees were well aware of Leviticus 19.18, which Robert H. Mounts says was the foundation of Jewish ethics, and uh, which is clearly stated, uh, where it says in Leviticus 19.18, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge, I'll talk to you about this in a minute, against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself, I am the Lord. Um, What's important here is, this scribe recognized the truth in what Jesus said. 
if they did, see now we need to see the other side of this, if they did know that, and they weren't preaching it, now they're held responsible for something that they know is right, but they're not encouraging people to do. Because it's not popular. See, <laughs> see it comes back to, do you want to be popular with God or with people? You know, we are to love people, but we need to, you know, we need to be popular with God, Can I, if I put it that way, you know. Uh, because sometimes people want us to do things that m- might make us popular with them, but at the end of the day, they'll despise you for it. It's a really funny thing, you know, because again, there are things that people want that are not good for them. They want you to be on their side to say yes to it until they get in trouble. Amen. Then they'll go, how come you said yes to it? <laughs> okay. So, you know, what I've learned to do is, listen, you do what God tells you to do. Love people. Notice it didn't say agree with them. Do you see that? It didn't say agree with people, it said love them. Okay. <laughs> Some days loving them means you do something they don't like. Because you love them. And don't we do that with our kids? You know, um... Anyway, uh, and as to, let me continue. And as to hating your enemy, uh, that may have been added later as a result of the scripture, such as Psalm 139, where it says in verses 21 and 22, O Lord, should, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who resist you? Yes, I hate them with a complete hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. So this is the reason why they might have sort of said, love your, you know, love your neighbor, hate your enemies. And see, watch again how you could take something that is biblical and twist it. Notice what it's talking about. It's talking about those people that hate God, not hate you, or people that you hate. (laughs) Okay, this is about people that are resisting God, that are coming against God. There's there's a different thing. That's why that's what we're talking about in First John when we're looking at the children of the devil. You know, and to be careful because those people are there to attack you at your very foundation. And that you really do need to be careful. Yes, we are meant to minister to everybody, but please be spirit-led in who you minister to, because some people can, can come literally and destroy your faith. They can cut the legs out from under you, so to speak, to where you don't have anything to stand on anymore, and everything that you thought you believed, you suddenly don't believe anymore. I have seen people that this has, you know, that has, this has happened to them, and it's really hard for them to recover. And some of them just say, I, I wish I'd never you know, went down that road. Whatever that is. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, You are not there to save every single person on the planet. Listen to me. You are there to save the people that God tells you to go after. That's it. Amen? Amen. Okay. Alright. Back to this on, on closer inspection. So even though they added this because of these verses taken out of context... On closer inspection, we, un- we find that this psalm is actually about hating those who hate God, not hating those you consider to be your enemy. In fact, in his commentary, uh, John Phillips explains that there is such a thing as holy hatred, being righteously indignant and angry, abhorring those who would mount attacks on the Creator and the Sustainer of the universe. Thus David declared that he hated those who hate God. There's the context. Amen? Okay. However, when it comes to people that you consider to be your personal enemies, the Bible never says to hate them, but actually the exact opposite with Proverbs 25.21, first of all stating, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat, and don't put poison in it. 
I added, <laughs> I added that, all right, okay. He goes, yeah, I'll give him something to eat, you know, okay. Uh, he says, so if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat, and if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. <clears throat> okay. And Exodus chapter 23, I'm, I'm showing you this from the Old Testament. Because a lot of times people think, oh, you know, loving and all of that stuff is a New Testament concept. It isn't. It is in the Old Testament. Okay? Exodus 23, verses 4 and 5. If you come upon your enemy's ox or donkey that has strayed away, shoot it. No. <laughs> okay? No. It doesn't stay that. It says, take it back to its owner. Okay? This is your enemy. Listen. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you struggling beneath a heavy load, do not walk by. Instead, stop and offer to help. You know, these are just practical things. It doesn't matter to be a donkey, okay? These are just practical things. In other words, if you see somebody that needs help, even though it may be somebody that you just want to strangle every time you see him, you know, this, this sort of thing goes a long way. We're always looking to minister the gospel, but we always do it in a way that is not, I don't think is always right. Because we sort of come from a place of, we have nothing to lose, in a sense, so to speak. I mean, yeah, people can attack us, and some people do, very, you know, venomously. But, you know, it's not this. It's not like we've gone out of the way to help them first somewhere. You know what I'm trying to say? And it, it, those are the times that you just want to say, no, God, I'm not, I'm not going next to that person. You know how they treated me? And God's saying, yeah, that's the time. That's when you do it. Again, be spirit-led. Don't just do it because, you know, be, yeah, okay. Please be spirit-led, because sometimes a situation like that can turn nasty. Do you understand? Okay, that's why. Always say be spirit-led. Okay, back to this. <coughs> Wherever I was. Okay, yes. That was the law. And that's what should have been taught. But instead, the scribes and Pharisees were teaching, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And therefore, were nothing, uh, being nothing less than willfully negligent in their teaching. Did you see the words willfully negligent? They knew better. Amen? William Hendrickson writes, It stands to reason that as a result of this woeful misinterpretation of the law, a wall of separation was built between Jew and Gentile. I really love the way they put that. A wall of separation, okay, was built between the Jew and the Gentile. The former... To, uh, you know what, let me stop for a second. I need to explain something to you here. When we see the word Gentile, you need to understand that that's not you. When we see the word Gentile, the way it is expressed in the Bible is somebody without God. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul goes to great lengths in the book of Galatians to say that we are now Abraham's seed. That we might have been Gentiles in the past, but now, through faith, we are the seed of Abraham. Through Jesus Christ. So, the word Gentile doesn't mean a non-Jew. The word Gentile in the Bible means you're without God. And none of us are without God. So we are all spiritual Jews, so to speak. Okay, it's, Therefore there is no um, advantage for a natural Jew over a spiritual Jew. In fact, I think we have an advantage over the natural Jew because it said not all Israel is Israel. Not all those Jews are going to heaven. In fact, Jesus said, you're of your father the devil, to religious Jews. You all understand that? And he was basically saying, you're going to go end up in hell if you don't repent. So all God is interested in is in those that have had their heart circumcised, not parts of their body. That's right. Amen? And that's all that God considers and counts. So when you ever see the word Gentile, I want you to understand now, don't think, oh, I'm a Gentile. You are not without God. 
Hallelujah. Well, you're one of His now. You are God's child. Amen? Amen. So, getting back to this. So now I, w- I want you to understand that this is what it's talking about. Those that were with God and those that were without God, this wall of separation came up. Do you get this now? Okay. It wasn't between the Jews and us, okay? The former to be loved, the latter to be hated. But it was hard to stop there. Another barricade must be erected between good Israelites. <laughs> okay? See, they didn't stop there. They kept going. Okay? Such as the scribes and Pharisees and bad Israelites. Such as the renegades, the publicans, and in general, the entire rebel that did not know the law. <laughs> okay? So see what happens when you start you know, building walls. They keep going. Where do you stop? And then of course there was a, a wall between the scribes and the Sadducees. Because once you start building walls, baby, you build walls. Everywhere you look, you're building walls. Amen. And you know, we just got to the place where it was ridiculous. Which is why Jesus came. You know, when Jesus came, He was there to bring unity back to the house of Israel because there were so many divisions in it. And because they rejected Him, the, the, all the divisions remained and Rome got to the place where they got tired of Israel fighting, you know, all the infighting. And which is why, you know, the, the Roman general Titus, I think about 70 years earlier, came and just destroyed everything and said, you know what, forget this. And that's exactly what Jesus was trying to stop. And it's a funny thing, the very thing that was there to help them, they destroyed. And in destroying him, they destroyed themselves. Isn't that interesting? That's why I said, you know, people don't know what's good for him. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, okay. Now don't go making decisions for everybody. Alright, but again, be spirit-led as God leads. Okay. And it is because there was so much strife and division everywhere that Jesus addresses the subject of loving your neighbor in Luke chapter 10. And, and, and understand that he was addressing this because there was division everywhere. Not just between Jew and Gentile. Do you understand? It was in the Jewish house as well. Okay? Alright. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 25 where it is written, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him. Meaning that he had questionable motives. Saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now Leon Morris points out that this lawyer asked the, this question not in search for information, but to see what kind of answer Jesus would produce. He may have been even hoping that Jesus would do badly and that he would have the opportunity to show him up. And that's why Jesus answered him the question of his own with verse 26 going on to say, And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? I really like that. You know, I really wish I had the, the, the wisdom of Jesus in some situations. I look back at myself and I kick myself over some things, when I think, you know, because we all, we tend to have this, you know, thing of, we, we feel like we're challenged, and we get our back up against a wall. See how Jesus does this? You know, instead of getting all defensive, He goes, well, you know what, what do you think? <laughs> you know, I mean, that just throws it right back. He's not mad, He's not upset, He just, what do you think? What is, what is your reading of the law? You know, okay? In other words... Jesus essentially says, you being a lawyer, why don't you tell me what is written in the law? And what you understand it to mean first. And so, verse 27 goes on to say, So he answered and said, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. He knew. He knew. Okay, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is really interesting. 
<clears throat> okay, because these are quotes from Deuteronomy 5, 6, or 6, 5, excuse me, and of course Leviticus 9, 18, I've shown you all this before. And in essence, what it says is that with respect to your neighbor, you must love them with a love that is neither less in extent than, nor inferior in quality to, the love for yourself. So the extent to which you go loving yourself, are you all getting this? And the quality with which you love yourself, you know, we love ourselves. Can I just say, you know, oh, we look after ourselves. You know what I'm trying to say? Uh, and, you know, if we're hungry, we eat. We're hungry, we don't feed the dog first. <laughs> okay? In fact, we kind of say, you wait, let me finish. <laughs> I'll feed you in a minute. You know, that sort of a thing. Unless you have a cat that's very persistent. But anyway, <laughs> but, but again, the, the, the general idea is you generally look after yourself. And he's saying the way that you do that is the way that you're meant to look after others. Okay. So, and in replying this way, note once again that just like the scribe in Mark chapter 12, this lawyer of religion was equally aware of the fact that God's law actually did say that you are to love your neighbor as yourself. And so verse 28 goes in to say, and he, that's Jesus said to him, the lawyer, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. So because you're asking me, you've just answered your own question. Just do it, okay? And that should have been the end of the conversation. However, this man's pride intervenes. And so it says in Luke chapter 10 and verse 29, but he wanting to justify himself. You see those words, okay? Said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Do you know why he asked this question? Because nobody could answer it. The scribes and the Pharisees would have arguments about who is my neighbor. Is it the guy next door? Is it the guy on the road? You know, and they would argue for hours about things that who cares? If somebody's there that needs your help, that's your neighbor. But they would never see it that way because they were so nitpicky about things. Oh, yeah, I mean, okay. So, <laughs> this was a very difficult question to answer, especially with all the prevailing prejudices of the time. And so Jesus decides to relate the extraordinary tale of the Good Samaritan. So can I just read through this? Okay, so beginning in Luke chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus saying, There a certain man, notice a certain man, went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. So Leon Morris writes, A traveler in the story is clearly a Jew. Notice, because he went from where? Jerusalem. That was his beginning point. Okay, to Jericho. Alright, <clears throat> but no stress is put on this. He, call, he, he is called simply a man. It is the need of the neighbor and not his nationality that is important. I like that. Okay. As to, as to the stretch of road he was traveling on, John MacArthur says that it was a rocky, winding, treacherous descent of about 3,300 feet in 17 miles. And notorious for being beset, uh, beset with thieves and danger. So this is a very bad uh, uh, sort of way to travel. Okay, it was just not advised to go this way. Anyway, and so William Hendrickson goes in to add that this man traveling all by himself was attacked by highwaymen. Escape was impossible, for according to the Greek, or, uh, the Greek original, the robbers surrounded him. I really like that. You know, you get a real good picture of this, eh? You can see the, 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 the action taking place. You know, they all go... And they, okay, all right. Sorry about my imagination. I, I get carried away sometimes. Okay, verse 30. <laughs> it, it continues and says, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him. So there was a full-on fight here. 
they literally struck uh, him blow upon blow and departed, leaving him on the side of the road half dead. So this would be one of those really, I mean, the guy gets pummeled. Okay, I mean, you'd be looking and you'd just be freaking out at this stage, watching this happen. It's a very bad uh, scene. So here lies this Jew, beaten, robbed, humiliated, having been stripped of his clothing. <coughs> Excuse me. With Jesus going to say, verse 31, now by chance. So, you know, Jesus has taken this to a very low place, hasn't he? Okay, this guy in a treacherous you know, uh, territory has fallen among these people that have just beaten him. And he is near death, we're going to find out. Okay, and so we've, we've taken it as low as we can go and now here it comes. Okay, because you have to do this with the story. And now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. You know, it, I love the way Jesus does this. Because what was the, the function of a priest? Was to bandage them up, was to look after them, was to, you know, take care of people. So Jesus is saying, alright, so here's a person that has had this incredible misfortune happen to them, and here comes what you would consider a solution. This is what he's doing. Okay? Who would you pick as the best person to come along, is what Jesus is saying. So I'm going to give you that person, and let's see what happens. Alright. Okay, so he says... um, uh, where was I? Okay, so by chance, he says, a certain priest came down the road, and I've said here, yeah, I'm sure the crowd sighed, uh, uh, you know, breathed a sigh of relief, surely salvation had come to this man. But Jesus goes in to say, okay, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. You know, I really think we need to see this for what it is. There's something here, I didn't share this with you the last time, so let me share with you, no. Let's not be this person. Let's not be the person that, you know, has been saying, oh, we believe in Jesus. And, you know, all of these things and, you know, God loves you and everything else. And then somebody sees us in a situation where we had an opportunity to help someone and we cross the road. Did you all get that? And then suddenly they look at us and go, they're just, you know, what, what they say and what they do are two different things. So we're not going to listen to anything they say from now on. It's a funny thing how people are watching when you're not looking. Amen. 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 Just be aware. Okay, so let's get back to this. That was extra wisdom. (laughs) Several things must be noted here. First, the term, a certain priest, tells that this, this man was not an imaginary character, but a real person. Second, he was a Jew, being a priest, and was duty bound to help this man. Did you see duty bound? Okay. Therefore, in his comment, just one more thing. Please, nobody get under condemnation. Can you all say that? I will not be under condemnation. Okay, all right. (laughs) Okay, I am sharing things with you, just so that you can open your eyes. And again, what's the what's the one thing? Be spirit led. Amen. Okay. Therefore, in his commentary, William Hendrickson writes. How unfeeling, is this right? Yes, okay. How unfeeling, and that for a priest, a holy man. In fact, one who only a little while ago had probably been engaged in sacred temple activities and was now very likely on his way home, traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, where many a priest and Levite lived. Hendrickson concludes, for the priest's sinful neglect, there was no justification whatsoever. Leon Morris adds, not only did he not help, he went to the other side of the road. You know, can I just say this as much as we might be reluctant or 
miss an opportunity to help, we don't ever cross the road. That's not you. Amen? Amen. Okay. He deliberately avoided any possibility of contact and left the man where he was in his suffering and his need. Can I just say this? If you had the heart to do something, God will count that as being done, by the way. Okay. This man didn't have the heart. Do you see this? Okay. And as bad as that was, Jesus is going to say in the next verse, in verse 32, Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at that place, came and looked, and, same thing, passed by on the other side. William Hendrickson puts it so well when he says, the priest's helper is not any better than the priest. <laughs> They're obviously going to a bad church. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. <laughs> he too, as soon as he sees the grievously wounded man, this guy is in a very bad place. You know, this is not just some little beggar that kind of like, okay, we can just, okay, he'll do okay without me. This is a person that is in, like, in dire need. You leave him there. It's like going past, let me just give you a, a sort of a, a visual. It'd be like you're on a lonely road. And you go past, and you see somebody had an accident, and you know it's recent. And their head is on the steering wheel, and it's bloodied. And you just drive past. Are you, are you all getting the picture now? That is what we're talking about. And you decide, you know what, I don't want anything to do with that and keep going. I know none of you would do that. I know the first thing that you guys would do is just get your phone out and call somebody and say, I found somebody here, what do I do? <laughs> okay? I mean, I might be late for something, but this is a person dying on the side of the road. You all understand? Okay. Okay. Now I can go on. All right. So again, he says, uh, he too, as soon as he sees a grievously wounded man, makes sure that he remains as far as possible away from him, passing by on the opposite side of the road. Is the waylaid, robbed, and tortured Jew going to be left to die then? So it looks. For, as if all this were not trouble enough, there comes, dot, 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 a Samaritan. <laughs> okay, this is like, dear God, after the thieves came, here come the butcher, you know what I'm saying? Okay, this is how they're thinking. So accordingly, Jesus says in verse 33, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he, the beaten half-dead Jew, was. And in Jesus' day, this was the worst thing that could have happened. It was well-known fact that the Jews and the Samaritans were enemies and hated each other. That's why, you know, when, when, when they ever wanted to get from one place to another and they had to go through Samaria, they would, they would take a route all the way around, add extra days, just so they wouldn't go past, you know, through this place. That's why Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. And they go, are you kidding me? <laughs> okay, all his disciples. <laughs> you know, and that's where the, he meets a woman at the well, by the way. Yeah. And a whole revival takes place. You know, that's incredible. But see, this is, you know, this is again the way the Jews thought about the Samaritans. I mean, they all hated it. I mean, even the woman said, what are you doing talking to me? You know, I'm, I'm not only a Samaritan, I'm a woman as well. I mean, gee, you're breaking every law. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Don't you just love him? He's just like, I don't care. That was not my those were not my rules. These are things people made up. And they're blaming me for it, by the way. Anyway, <clears throat> getting back to this. In fact, just in the previous chapter, uh, I said they hated each other, right? In fact, in, just in the previous chapter, we have the following incident recorded with Luke chapter 9, 
verses 51 through 56, reporting, Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him, because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah did? <laughs> okay? But he turned and rebuked them. He didn't say, oh, thanks, man, I, I get it, you know. He, did, he rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. See, we need to be careful. The type of spirit that wants vengeance is never God. Listen, God will take vengeance on your behalf, but you are not to get involved in that. Because God said, vengeance is mine. Said the Lord, I will repay. Do you know why He says that? Because He sees hearts. We don't. We see somebody having a bad day and we won't bring curses down on them. Because <laughs> they were mean to us and rude to us. And we never, never stop to ask, are you having a bad day? Are you all with me? Okay, so God's justice is always just. Ours, not so much. Okay, where was I? Okay, and he said, verse 56, he said, For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And, and they went to another village. Okay, Now, I have actually run out of time. That went really quickly, quicker than I expected. Um, <clears throat> let me just have a quick look and see where this is going, because I, I really don't want to take... Yeah, a bit more, isn't there? Okay, can we stop there? It's a good place to stop at, at a story. Um, let's, let's stop there and let's pick this up next time as we continue on. I hope you're getting something out of all of this. I'm trying to bring you some new information as well uh, as we get through all of this really quickly. Um, let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you today for this time in your word. And we just thank you for everything that we're learning. And thank you, Lord, that you are just bringing so much revelation and insight into these things. And Lord, especially now when, when we need to show love and when we need to not be crossing to the other side. That you help us with wisdom. That you lead us by your Spirit. That we, are, we don't do things out of um, compulsion, out of uh, a guilt. But that we, everything that we do, we do as we are led by the Spirit. And that we are open to that leading. I also thank you, Father, for divine safety, a divine covering, divine protection in this time. That we shine forth as stars in the night sky. That we shine brightest when it's the darkest. Hallelujah. I pray for each and every individual here, Father, for your angels that protect them from more than just harm, from germs and everything else as well, that they cover them with their wings and do things that we can't see, but by faith we know that we're being looked after. Hallelujah. And we just thank you for all of your promises, especially those that tell us that we will never go in want, no plague will come near us, and that our God meets every, our every need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Receive all of that tonight by faith in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.